Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Obtaining and maintaining freedom. This is lesson number two. Number one was on Wednesday. And our text is John's Gospel, chapter 8 and verse 36. And here's what Jesus said. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Hmm. There are four types of freedom. There's national freedom. That is freedom from any other foreign rule. There's also political freedom. That means to be free to be active in government. Also, there is what is called natural or individual freedom that we have. And that is freedoms that are guaranteed by law or a constitution. And then also, there's spiritual freedom. And that really is freedom of religion, freedom to believe the way we want to believe in our nation. Not all nations have these four freedoms. But you know what? We do. In the United States of America, we have all four of these freedoms. And let me tell you why we do. Anybody here that served in our armed forces, kindly stand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I think we could do better than that. Glory to God. How we appreciate each and every one of you and the many who sacrificed their lives for us to experience and enjoy the freedoms that we have. You see, the desire for freedom is a strong desire in the human heart and soul. We all want to be free. When the Israelites were in Egyptian bondage for 430 years, their cry came out unto the Lord. They wanted freedom. What's he do? He raises up Moses, praise God, and he hears the voice of God from a burning bush, and he goes and sets the captives free and liberates them from Egyptian slavery. When it comes to when they were in Babylon, Babylonian captivity, once again, the cry came from their heart. They wanted freedom. They wanted delivered from their enemies or those that were there in bondage too, and God raises up Cyrus, king of Persia, and he lets them go, praise God, and rebuild the temple and so on. And then you've got the pilgrims. The pilgrims, they wanted freedom. They wanted liberty. So they left their homeland. They left their friends. And they came to America where, praise God, they were able to worship God as they saw fit from their hearts. It was a big sacrifice that they made to come here and do what they did. But they were willing to give it all up. For what cause? For the cause of freedom. And so thank God for the freedom. Then, of course, we have the black slaves in America. And they cried out for freedom. And what does God do? He uses the Adams family. I'm not talking about Morticia and Gomez. I'm talking about John Adams. I'm talking about John Quincy Adams. And a man by the name of Abraham Lincoln. And just in case you don't know this, I, I just put this together, wrote it out just so that we can have a little bit of a history lesson here this morning. This is John Quincy Adams, 
son of John Adams, second president of the United States, John Quincy Adams, the sixth president of the United States. He knew slavery was immoral and fought throughout his career to advance universal freedom. His advocacy helped lay the groundwork for the abolition movement. Though he was president from 1825 to 1829, John Quincy Adams became known for his passionate anti-slavery advocacy in Congress. Actually, it was Adams who laid the groundwork for Abe Lincoln. John Quincy Adams stood against the gag rule, which was a rule of the House of Representatives that prohibited consideration of petitions to the House regarding slavery. You weren't even allowed to present it. It was an infamous rule that finally died in 1844 when Adams won the gag rule fight. Adams expressed gratitude toward God saying, blessed, forever blessed be the name of God. The gag rule war was over. The war against slavery continued. It was John Quincy Adams who made Abraham Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation possible on January the 1st of 1863. That's when Lincoln gave an executive order that changed the federal status of three and a half million African Americans in the designated areas of the South from slave to free. The Emancipation Proclamation stated that all persons held as slaves are and henceforward shall be free. And so thank God for men like John Adams, John Quincy Adams, and it was Abraham Lincoln who took John Quincy Adams' three-point plan to liberate slavery in America. And so we thank God for that. Then you've got men like Martin Luther King Jr., Gandhi. You've got Mandela. And should I say everyone here today desires freedom? Anybody here want to be a slave? Did the woman with the issue of blood want free from her bondage? The woman bowed over want free from her bondage? Did the woman whose daughter was possessed of a devil go to Jesus and be willing to be called a dog to get her daughter free from that bondage? Absolutely. You see, it's within the heart of every human being the desire to be free. And so, obtaining freedom and obtaining freedom is important to all of us. Obtaining freedom. Number one, when it comes to national freedom, 4,435 service individuals gave their lives in the Revolutionary War to obtain the freedoms that we have today. That's obtaining it. And we thank God for each and every one of them that sacrificed their lives. That's according to the uh, Department of Veterans Affairs. But when it comes to spiritual freedom, Jesus presented that to us and to the Jews that he was speaking to in the day that he penned those words, John 8, 31 through 36. Let's read them together. Spiritual freedom, he said, is more important than national freedom. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if, notice they believed on him, if you continue in my word, you're my disciples indeed. A believer believes on him, a disciple continues in the word. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Look at their answer. They answered him, we be Abraham's seed and were never in bondage to any man. They didn't know their history, did they? How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever commits sin is a servant of sin. 
and the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. He's talking about spiritual freedom. Freedom that's an everlasting freedom. Not just a freedom that ends when you die and you leave this realm of life. It's eternal freedom. And what had man bound, man bound all those years that they didn't realize was sin. Spiritual death and satanic forces. And only the son can make you free. To obtain this kind of freedom didn't require the death of anybody but one person. Notice in Matthew's gospel 19, it's impossible to be obtained by man. Man cannot obtain freedom for himself from these spiritual forces. Then said Jesus to his disciples, verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed saying who then can be saved but Jesus beheld them and said unto them with men this is impossible but with God all things are possible it is impossible for a man to obtain spiritual freedom by himself for himself there's only one that could possibly obtain freedom from sin for mankind Anybody want to guess his name? Jesus. In the book of Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. Look at what it says. Neither by the blood of goats and calves. But by his own blood. He entered in once into the holy place. Having obtained eternal redemption for us. Only one. Only Jesus could possibly obtain eternal redemption for mankind. And that's why when people say that you're narrow-minded, if you think that Jesus is the only way to heaven, then you're narrow-minded. Jesus said, straight is the way, the gate narrows the way that leads to everlasting life. And he says, I am the only way, I am the only truth, I am the only life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Now let's just take a moment to read these scriptures. I thought really to highlight these scriptures are so important. Because there's only one way we can obtain eternal separation from sin. And that's through Jesus Christ. Look at the next one in, in the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. There's only one that has those qualifications and his name is Jesus and he's the one that obtained our redemption, obtained our inheritance. He's the only one who purged our sins from us by his precious blood. Look in the book of Revelation, I'm sorry Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. For as by one man's disobedience, who's that? Adam, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Who's that? Jesus did what the first Adam could not do. He undid what the first Adam did. And so he obtained it for us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. He's the one that makes us righteous. And then look in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5 also. It says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. 
Amen. Who's the only one that could do that? Jesus. Look at chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. And this is the New Living Translation of these verses. And I thought it would be appropriate this morning to read these verses, all the verses, so we can celebrate and rejoice and applaud Jesus as we did those who served in our armed forces. Are you ready for it? Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. There was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll. It was sealed, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. Then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, the line of the tribe of Judah the heir to David's throne has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb and that looked as if he had been slaughtered. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings. And, uh, and among the 24 elders, he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of him that's was sitting on the throne, and when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and to break its seals and open it, for you were slaughtered. And your blood is ransomed people for God from every tribe, every language, people, and nation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. And so if we could just paint that picture for you and just to show you how it happened. Oh, when he was raised up from the dead, we are told that by the Spirit of God, his blood was collected together in a basin because the high priest had to enter into the holiest place of all. He had to offer up his blood as a sacrifice to obtain redemption, to obtain uh, forgiveness for sin for the people of Israel for one year. That was only a type of what the high priest Jesus had to do when he went up into heaven. He took his blood, praise God, collected by the Holy Ghost. He entered into the high place of heaven where Adam was banished and kicked out of. And he stood there before the cherubim and the cherubim with their flaming swords who probably said, what do you think you're doing? What gives you right to come here? And he pulled out his blood basin, praise God, and he presented it before them and said, I am he that lives and was dead. I'm alive forevermore. I've got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And by my blood, I've come to ransom mankind from his fallen state. They stepped aside. He walked on in. He took his blood. He sprinkled on the mercy seat on the heavenly tensors of worship. And he cleansed it all for all mankind once and for all forever. And praise God, all heaven rejoiced in the Savior of the world. As he redeemed man from every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And making us all kings and priests before our God. That we could reign with him throughout eternity. I don't know about you, but let's stand and give a praise offering to the King of kings. And the Lord of lords. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Whew, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Oh, let's do better than that. Oh, let's shout the praise of the living God for freedom. He has set us free. If the Son shall make you free, you are free indeed. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord. Well, you may be seated if you can.
The moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you've been made free. From all that Adam allowed to enter into this world, you and I have been made free. When he makes us free, we're free indeed. Now, it's another thing to be made free. It's another thing. It's one thing to be made free. It's another thing to maintain our freedom. Isn't that true? Now look at uh, when it comes to national freedom. You've got to have a strong leadership. A strong defense system. You've got to have uh, people that are united together as one. For united we stand, divided we fall. But also you have to have continued sacrifice. And ever since the Revolutionary War, over one million Americans laid down their lives to maintain the cause of freedom. And that's from the Revolutionary War all the way to today, the present day war on terror. Over a million have sacrificed their lives to maintain the freedoms that we enjoy. And we thank God for that as we've already expressed our gratitude. But when it comes to spiritual freedom, look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. This is from the NIV, the New International Version translation. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. What's he saying? Now Jesus has made you free. Now don't go back into slavery. He brought you out of sin. Don't go back into it. He liberated you, delivered you, and set you free. Now take your stand against anything that will lead you back into slavery. He set you free for freedom. I have four principles here that will help us understand how we can maintain spiritual freedom in our lives. Number one is the principle of knowledge. Remember the book of Hosea, chapter 4 and verse 6, that tells us my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I'll also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. What he's saying is, if you don't listen to what I'm telling you, remember the Israelites kept going back into slavery? And why? They weren't listening to what he was telling them. They wouldn't keep his law, statutes, and commandments and honor him in that way. And they kept looking backwards, wanting to go back into Egyptian slavery. Well, people, to stay free and maintain freedom, we need to know, praise God, certain truths. In Colossians chapter 1.13, we have one of the most powerful truths that we can embrace as believers if we want to maintain our spiritual freedom. Who had, this is Paul's prayer to the church at Colossae. He is praying for them to be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that they would walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks to the Father who has made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light who has delivered us from the power of darkness and have translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Say it with me. I have been delivered. I am delivered from the powers of darkness. The church needs to be taught that blessed truth. This is the knowledge that we need to have. You have been liberated. 
I've been liberated. We've been delivered. We've been set free. Satan no longer holds any jurisdiction over our lives. Jesus uprooted us from the powers of darkness in the kingdom of darkness. Transplanted us into the kingdom of the son of his love. And in that place, praise God, Jesus is Lord over our lives. And no longer is the devil Lord over anybody's life. We are kings and priests unto our God. And we thank God that in him, we've got power over all the power of the enemy. Look at Luke 10, 19. Praise God. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. The prior verses. These 70 came back to Jesus. And they said to Jesus, they said, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in thy name. Now, why did they say that? Why did they marvel at that? You know why? Because up until that point in the Old Testament, you don't see anybody casting out a devil. Do you read anywhere in the Old Testament where someone cast out a devil? We don't see that anywhere. But when you see Jesus coming on the scene in the Gospels, anywhere and everywhere he went, he cast out devils, right? He liberated people. He delivered them. He set them free. He cast them out. Then he gave the 12 power, and then he gave the 70 power, and he said, in my name, go, cast out devils, heal the sick, set the captives free, and let them know the kingdom of God, this is what it's about, has come unto you, right? And so they went, they cast out devils, something that was never done by anybody but Jesus up to this point. They cast out devils, and they said, the devils are subject to us in thy name, Lord. And he just kind of nonchalantly just said, yeah, right, I I know. I saw Satan fall from heaven. It's not, not news to me. He's a nobody. He's got no power over you. Behold, I'm giving you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. And by the way, don't rejoice over that. That's a small thing. Rejoice that your name's written in heaven. The cause is, is greater than the effect. You are authorized by the King of kings and Lord of lords to cast out demons. You know what? freedom is all about and spiritual growth is all about it's a journey freedom is a journey praise God and in this journey we do two things we cast out devils and we discipline the flesh you can't discipline devils and you can't cast out the flesh wouldn't you love to cast out a few calories a few pounds right in the never mind we won't go there It's up to us to take authority over devils and demons that try to run our lives. And just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that he's not going to be after you. He was after Jesus. He'll be after you. Why? Because he knows you've been liberated. He wants you to go back. He wants you to be under his power spiritually, emotionally, physically in every way. But you know what? We don't have to allow it. The Bible says give no place to the devil whatsoever. Look at Matthew's gospel chapter uh, 16 verse 19. It says, and I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Who was given the power of binding and loosing? Believers were. And for those that say, well, that was just for Peter. Of those who are only for the 70. I've got some news for you. In Mark's gospel, chapter 16, he said, preach the gospel into all the world. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Do you believe on Jesus? In my name, number one, cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. Take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt you. Lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. Those five signs are to follow the preaching of the word 
as the believer proclaims the power of the name of Jesus. And guess what? It's not your power that casts out a devil. It's the power of the name of Jesus. Has you, have you been given the power of the, to use that name, the authority? Have you been given the right to use that name, the power of attorney? You sure have. And he says, in my name. That name has never diminished in its power whatsoever. Remember the seven sons of Sceva that tried to cast out the devil like Paul preached? And the devil jumped on them, stripped them naked. They were running out of the house after saying, we know Paul and we know Jesus. But you people aren't authorized to use that name. Well, guess what? I got great news. We've been authorized. You've been authorized. You've got the right to use the name of Jesus to stand against all the opposing forces of darkness that's coming against your life, your child's life, whoever, whatever situation that you stand for, you've got power in the name of Jesus. Number two, the principle of pursuing. Look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Principle of pursuing. You know, once you get saved, you don't stop going after God. You don't get saved and never, no, I'm done. I've been saved, I'm on my way to heaven. That's a wonderful truth. But you don't stop pursuing God. Without faith it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is. And he is a rewarder of them. That diligently seek him. Go after him. Pursue him. Jesus said take up your cross and follow me. Praise God. We are not praise God to stop going forward when it comes to the things of God. In Hebrews chapter 10. That's exactly what these Hebrew Christians were doing. They were Messianic Jews. They've accepted Christ as their Savior. They were under the pressure of their uh, family coming against them. Their government coming against them. Everything coming against them. They were persecuted. They were afflicted for what they were going through. And they were absolutely spent as a result of walking with Jesus. And they were tempted to go back into the slavery of the Jewish law. Here's what he says. Cast not away therefore your confidence which has a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Aren't you glad for that? Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. In other words, we're going forward. We're not going backward. When they came out of Egypt, they kept on saying, would to God we'd be back in Egypt where we can have food to eat and water to drink and, and fish to our, uh, our fool. And they kept on murmuring and complaining and murmuring and complaining. Every time they got liberated, they wanted to go back. They got delivered, they wanted to go back. We're not to be that way. He brought us up out of the miry clay. He brought us up out of the world. He brought us up out of the powers of darkness. And he put us in his own kingdom. And he gave us life and that more abundantly. We are filled with and full of his Holy Spirit. And praise God, he's given us a whole lot more. All things that pertain to life and godliness belong to each and every one of us. And you know what he wants us to do? Keep on pursuing because we know there's more to experience in Christ Jesus our Lord. And keep on going forward and not look back. It doesn't matter where you came from. It's mat and what matters is where you're going, praise God, and you're getting there. You and I are on our way to glory. 
And we want to, re- to bring with us as many as we possibly can. So we've got to keep on marching on, moving forward. And as far as those that don't want to go forward with us, that's not our responsibility. That is theirs. But praise God, I don't know about you, but my desire is to continue walking with God, pursuing the things of God, getting further in the things of God, getting more of the things of God, walking in more of the reality of what Jesus gave his life for. I want to live a life that shows I respect what he did for me. I want to live a life that honors the fact that he died for me. And as that scripture says, was slaughtered for me. His visage so marred more than any man, he didn't even appear to be human like when he became sin for us. And we'll never understand the depth of that. Other than the fact that it it affected him in such a way he didn't appear to be a human being. But he did it for you and he did that for me. And what do we want to do? Pursue. Keep on moving forward in God. Next one. The principle of serving. A powerful principle because this is how we move forward in God look in the book of Exodus chapter 8 and verse 1 then chapter 9 and verse 1 then chapter 23 and the Lord spake unto Moses go unto Pharaoh and say unto him thus saith the Lord let my people go that they may serve themselves that they may serve the God the pagan gods of the Philistines. Let my people go that they may serve me. Look at chapter 9 and verse 1. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and tell him, Thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. And then in chapter 23, verses 23 through 25, For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee to the Amorites. These are all emotional conditions. The Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Zebzites, and the Termites are all emotional. Termites will bug you. All, all these mites represent emotional conditions. To them, they were literal giants in the land. To us, they are emotional conditions that we all are up against in our emotional realm. And what they'll do is try to keep us out of our inheritance. Okay, next, it goes on to say, Thou shalt not, notice, bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he'll bless your bread, your water, and take sickness away from the midst of thee. Notice what not to do and what to do. Every single one of us who's been liberated from the powers of darkness have been liberated to serve the Most High God. We're to serve him and not bow down. We're not to bow down to the pressure of compromise. They stand for Compromise, depression, oppression, fear, uh, stranger, which means one, Gergeshites, it means stranger. A stranger means I feel like an outcast, I don't belong. Have you ever gone to a church and I just don't feel like I belong here? That's a Gergeshite spirit. That is a spirit trying to manifest itself to, to make you think, why don't you belong? Well, I just don't feel like as though that, uh, whatever, whatever reason. These 
emotional conditions exist in our lives today. They're not giants, literally, but they're giants emotionally and mentally. Fear can rise up. Compromise can rise up. Depression, oppression, feeling like a stranger, an outcast, someone who's not worthy, and that sort of thing. Low self-esteem and condemnation. You know what? They are giants that we need to cast out. Start speaking to depression. Get up. When a cloud of oppression comes over you in the morning, and maybe you wake up in the morning and you should be happy and joyful, your joy does not come from how you feel. Your joy does not come from your circumstances or life experiences. Our joy comes from the Lord, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. So when that cloud rises up like a giant above you, and you get up and you don't even know why you feel oppressed, you just feel yucky, ucky, whatever, like a victim or whatever, it's time to stand up, get a hold of who you are in Christ, and start saying in the name of Jesus, oppression, go. Gergeshite spirit, go. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not entertaining you. I am not going to compromise my convictions of faith. I believe, praise God. That's called fighting the good fight of faith and taking responsibility to maintain the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ our Lord. When you got saved, did you have a joy unspeakable and full of glory? How many of you didn't? When I got saved, I had a joy in my soul, unspeakable, full of glory. I was shouting it from the mountaintops because I knew I was heaven bound. I'll tell you what, I had it probably to a fault. I was so excited, I tried to tell everybody else they were going to hell and I'm going to heaven. That wasn't a wise thing to do. But I just got saved. I was, uh, you know, had zeal, but no knowledge. I felt, I found, finally found out the fact that it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. Amen? So I kind of adjusted uh, the, my thinking and all that. But what I'm saying is you had a joy unspeakable that was full of glory. And the enemies come to steal your joy. Because if he can steal your joy, he can steal your goods. He can zap your, zap your strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. So if you want joy in the morning, you've got to shout for it. If you want joy, you've got to leap for it. You ready for it? Now leap out of bed in the morning. Hallelujah. Let it echo throughout the neighborhood. What's he shouting about? You got all these things and concerns in your life, but what are you shouting about? Because if you want joy, you've got to shout for it, got to leap for it. Praise God, the world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. It's here on the inside, praise God, to stand against whatever it is that's trying to bring us down. That's the fight that we have to fight. So in the natural world, of course, we have nuclear weapons now, don't we? Grenades, don't we? Tanks, don't we? And all kinds of weaponry. But in the spiritual realm, we've got the armor of God. And we've got the weapons of our warfare that are not carnal, but mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every thought and imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing to captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ, and having it a readiness when you obey God to, to avenge all disobedience. See, that's talking about how back before you kind of thought, well, I'm just, I know I'm saved and I know I'm going to heaven, but I've got so many problems. I've got so many issues. You have no idea. If you were walking in my shoes for about a mile, you'd probably pass out and fall over yourself because every time I get up, there's something this against me, that's against me. As if anybody in the world is different than anybody else. First Peter tells us what? Don't be alarmed that some strange things happen to you because everybody goes through the same thing. You're attacked by the enemy. As a matter of fact, if you're a Christian, you're going to be attacked by the enemy because he hates you and that's all there is to it. But you can rise up and stand against it in the powerful name of Jesus and cast down those thoughts before they become images. And then, then those images become strongholds, satanic strongholds. So don't buy the lie that you can't do it because you can do all things through Christ who is the strength of your life. 
Don't buy the lie that you can't overcome because you're an overcomer by your faith, praise God. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Look at Romans chapter uh, 6. We're talking about serving God now. Everyone is called to serve. Every single one of us. And one sure sign that a person could be going backwards is stop serving God. I'll tell you what. The best thing you can do and I can do. When I got saved, I began serving right away. Anything, any, well, I don't know. I don't feel I fit in. Wait a minute. <laughs> anywhere you go, there's, a, there's something for you to do. I guarantee it. There's something for you to do around here. You can do anywhere you go. You go to church somewhere else, you can, I guarantee you'll fit in somewhere. You'll do something. It's a mindset that we've got to have that I'm a servant of God. And guess what? If you serve God in righteousness, you won't serve sin. What's a good time to shout? Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the firmity of your flesh. For as you've yielded your members servants to uncleanness, to iniquity, iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God. You have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So the point is, you didn't serve when you were a sinner. But now that you're a saint, we're called to serve. Whether we're serving in whatever capacity, it doesn't matter. You could be an usher. You could be a parking lot attendant. You can be working with our youth and children, taking them up to camp. You can be a teacher of our youth. You can be a prayer partner. You can, whatever it is, that's one way to serve God and get, getting actively involved in serving God and surrounding yourself with other people that serve God is one way to help maintain the freedom that you have in Christ Jesus, your Lord. You are serving righteousness with righteous acts and God will reward that and God will promote that. And so I encourage you, if you signed up for anything, praise God, get involved in doing it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord, because it's part of the defense strategy that God has provided for us. Amen. Principle of resisting is the last one. Resisting. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. The roaring lion is the one that has no teeth. And the roaring lion's responsibility is to frighten its prey so that it's, if it's the sheep or whoever that the prey might be, run right into the very paws of the younger lions. So even though he can't harm them because he has no teeth, his roar frightens them. Do you remember that Job said, the fear I greatly feared has come upon me? Fear is a powerful force, just like faith is a powerful force. Faith taps into God's power, fear taps into Satan's power. And so it's up to the believer to rise up, praise God, and use the name of Jesus to stand against the forces of evil and resist the powers of darkness, whether they be manifested through fear, jealousy, envy, anger, and the list goes on and on. Um, if we'll stand against it and resist it, praise God, we will maintain our freedom. Now, in 
If you weren't here on Wednesday night, I, I believe I need to share this with you. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, how many of you remember how the Egyptians chased them down? Right. If you have been delivered from the powers of darkness, you've got an enemy chasing you down. Abraham came out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and he was marching toward a city whose builder and maker is God. As they set out to gain the promised land, they were being chased down by the Chaldeans. The Chaldeans. He came out of the Chaldees. Chaldea is a Hebrew word for a baby's name. And the name means as demons. Or robbers. So the Chaldeans were chasing them down. And God used this people group as an example of people that were chasing down things that didn't belong to them so they can have them and make them their own place. And if you recall when Jesus cast the devil out of the man of Gadara who was bound with 6,000 demons or more, they said, well then cast us into the swine because they were disembodied spirits. They wanted to be in people or in swine, in animals. And they went off the cliff and of course they drowned themselves and all that. These Chaldeans or these as demons, it's a type of demons, demonic activity that's chasing down the believer want to take us back into slavery. That's the example that we have. But whether they came out of Egypt or came out of Babylon, the enemy was always chasing them down. And guess what? Always catching up with them. And guess what? Always taking them back into slavery. They could never, never serve God the way they were intended to serve God. They kept on falling victim to all these demonic influences. Well, I got news. When Jesus came on the shores of Galilee... He set up a standard against all those Chaldeans that are chasing people down. Those robbers, those demons that come to steal, kill, and destroy and occupy a place that doesn't belong. You know, when they came out, they said, look, I, I'm going to go back. I'm, they're, they're in dry places, wanting to find rest and finding none. They go back to the house from which they came out and said, that's my house. Your body's not his house. Your body is not the enemy's house. No power of darkness belongs in you. You're a child of light. Can you say Amen. So these demons will chase us down. I mean, chase us down and chase us down. I got some news for all of us. Stop running and turn around. And use the name of Jesus. You will stop the enemy right in his tracks. And that's all there is to it. He has no power over you because you're the child of God. Look in the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 11. And we'll close here with these last two verses. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign. Notice, don't allow it. Don't allow sin to reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law but under grace so Satan has no power of us sin has no power over us all the things of the kingdom of darkness have no power over us because we are the children of light and we've been brought out from the powers of darkness into the family of God so the principle of knowledge we need to know the enemy is defeated 
The principle of pursuing, we've got to continue our march onward in the things of God and not turn back no matter how difficult the, the, the trek might be. And then also the principle of serving, we must continue serving God all the days of our lives until we leave this body of ours, continue serving the, the Lord your God. If it means you're at home in prayer, you're serving the Lord your God. And finally, the principle of resisting, stand against it. Take a stand, firm stand against all the powers of darkness and how, and that includes sin. How am I going to do that? Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 gives us the explicit instruction that we need to know as to how to do it. My, finally, my brother, be strong in yourself, in your mental powers, in your physical powers, in your financial resources. No. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Be strong in God and His miracle working power. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able, sufficient in power, resources, and strength to overcome or stand against the wiles, the strategies, the plots, and the plans of the devil. There it is right there. How do we resist it? By being strong in the Lord and the power of His might. A strong defense system. Hallelujah is right there. We've got great leadership, the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, holy angels, praise God. We've got a strong defense system, the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got a united people that the enemy cannot penetrate because one could chase a thousand, two could put ten thousand to flight. A threefold cord is not easily broken, praise God. And we are willing to continue making sacrifices to advance the kingdom of God here upon the earth. Because we know on the other side there are rewards for us in glory for fulfilling the will of God for our lives. Man, I don't know about you, but right now I can run through a troop. I can leap over a wall by my God, who the Son has set free. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to shout. I am free to have victory over all the power of the enemy. Can you say amen? Well, let's stand up and praise the King of kings and Lord of lords. Hallelujah.